Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Big Boss Dog, Snoopy Deagle Double G. This is the Rich Eisen Show with guest host Ben Lyons. Snoop has the incredible superpower of making sense in every single room on Earth. How do the horses get to Tokyo? What airline was it? Emirates. They fly the horses. They fly the horses on Emirates? And the athletes on Southwest? Earlier on the show, CBS Sports NFL insider Jason LaCanfora. Coming up, ESPN MLB host Carl Revich. Host of Peacock's Pro Football Talk, Mike Florio. And now, here's Ben Lyons. Welcome back to the show. Hour number two. Ben Lyons in for Rich, the Rich Eisen Show. Available, of course, nationwide on Westwood One. We're on Sirius XM 211 and Peacock. I've been loving just having the Olympics on. I feel like I'm in this loop of just Olympics. Is on Peacock or USA or NBC? NBC. or just constantly. And I've kind of gotten to this space where I don't sometimes know if it's live or on tape delay. It's just I never-ending Everything's loop on tape delay. <laughs> some sports I've never seen before. Those guys uh, rowing through like slaloms, through, like whitewater rafting. <laughs> yeah. The canoeing. That was amazing. I was watching some solo kayak sprinting yesterday. The dude was so diesel. I was watching that, and I was thinking... It was was insane. It was incredible. I was thinking that just the upper body strength it takes to do that. Yeah. Yeah, And just how you have to navigate, like, dealing with the Winklevosses in the locker room and stuff. The culture around that sport seems very toxic. The Winklevi. By the way, and I also realized there are (laughs) sports that literally I only see every four years. And then once the Olympics is over, I don't even think about them again until do you think they have like a post-mortem meeting with handball they go all right we got a lot of success there (laughs) our key score on our athletes went up is on peacock it makes it go up a little bit Uh how do we keep this handball interest going all year i tell you what because of rich eisen the interest in shuttlecock has to be in an all-time high right now so archery (laughs) i think his archery call is going to go in the smithsonian pop culture (laughs) moment right there and then he has to understand that when my ping pong table gets here it is a table tennis. Table okay, tennis. it's not. And we all pong. have to do the serve where we're like yeah. looking down like this. And then, well, that's how I already serve. But so I'm surprised <laughs> archery is not a more celebrated backyard activity. Like just for the family that right. casually has a basketball hoop and an archery. Or maybe they have a little soccer goal and get a big target. <laughs> Everybody thinks of Katniss from the Hunger Games, no? Yeah, let's get some oversized darts and something that can shoot I was gonna them say, I mean, incredible You haven't speeds. been to a Bass Pro Shop lately, have you? <laughs> I grew up in New York City and I live in Los Angeles. <laughs> Think I've ever been to a Bass Pro Shop? <laughs> Cabela's on line one. Like, come on. 
Um, somebody who probably doesn't frequent Bass Pro Shops either <laughs> is joining the show right now. Howard Beck from Sports Illustrated with uh, NBA free agency uh, kicking off today. Howard, when was the last time you were in a Bass Pro Shop? Um, I'm going to say never, probably. <laughs> you know, fishing a, fishing a, culture is big in the NBA. Paul George, big fisherman. Yeah. Not, not a part of, the, of your life growing up in the Beck household, huh? Uh, I, I'm not an angler. Do they still call themselves anglers? Yeah, anglers. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, I don't know what angles have to do. Angling. I don't. It's it's all a mystery to me. I I I might have fished once or twice when you know back when I was a kid and we went like camping or something. Uh, it's been a while since I had a rod in my hand and was casting anything anywhere. So yeah. Um, I think sorry. we just came up no, with a new no. show, Howard. I think we need to see NBA basketball journalist Survivor. Who do you think would win that show? I've already lost, apparently. Yeah, no, you're an early exit from from the tribe, but who do you see uh, surviving the campfires and and winning NBA journalist Survivor? Oh, man. That's good. Um, I'm going to have to think on that for a little bit. I have to think on that for certainly, uh, so, you know, probably one of the younger generation, right? Like, I'm, you know, I'm up up there. Like, I'm just going to get, you know, thrown overboard real early on um <laughs> so worldwide guess, rob you think or count on vic on twitter could live off the land yeah exactly exactly but you know everybody does the job a little differently right so some people are just real great operators um and so would find a way to just kind of connive their way to the end whether or not they had these skills to survive right and that's really what those shows are about you don't have to be the best at any given thing you just have to find a way to manipulate everybody else so like we could get really deep in the weeds on that, and I'd probably offend everybody that I ever worked with in an NBA press room. So, um, yeah. So I think that's yeah, what I like to do for the rest of the conversation. <laughs> uh, you think Rick Buecher can be trusted? Ben, <laughs> no, you know I'm Howard. Not, I'm definitely not trusting Buke. He'll he'd, he'd he'd turn on me in a second. Howard um, did not expect to get these type of questions. No, today, no. or on any show that he goes on. <laughs> Nor did I expect to do this. Howard. Howard's an old buddy. We did uh, GM school together for NBA TV, which is a fun show. Uh, about a year and a half ago now at this point um, where we were constructing. The last thing that we did. It yes. was almost the last thing we did before shutdown. I did that, and then I went to Sloan Conference in, in Boston a, little, a few days after that, Ben, and then and that was it. Those were literally the last two things I did outside of my apartment. The first person I remember who didn't feel comfortable shaking hands with me because of germs and corona was Sam Mitchell. I just remember Sam yes. Mitchell was the first guy giving out pounds. Right. Militant. Yes. Militant about it. Yes, he was. Like, he was. They, 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 he, he wanted to bump like ankles. That was about <laughs> it. That was the extent of it. And and we were thinking, I don't remember how you reacted, but my thought back in the green room with Sam Mitchell was like, all right, dude, I get it, but chill. Like, it, it's not that bad. Like, you're being a little bit overboard here because little did we know it was, you know, and that was the thing. Like, it wasn't even about shaking hands. It was like, don't breathe each other's air. But, you know, we knew nothing on March 10th or whatever that was when we were, uh, still, you know, stu- stupidly hanging out and, and you know, filming TV shows. No, let, let, let's make sure that history doesn't revise itself. While the country didn't know how to handle the pandemic, Sam Mitchell was on top of it. Sam Mitchell. Absolutely. Was. We should have made him the, uh, the public <laughs> yes. health star. Sam, right Sam the Mitchell, the new Dr. Fauci. Um, uh, Howard Beck joins the show. Ben Lines in. Uh, for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show. Well, I talk about GM school because that show was all about aspiring front office executives learning how NBA teams and rosters are built and put together.
there. Well, now we get real GM school. Now it's August 1st, the new July 1st. So with uh, $52.6 million in cap space, the Knicks have the most cap space this offseason. Who else do you see spending some money and making some real moves that you think might shake up the culture of their team? Yeah, I mean, a lot of eyes on the Knicks because they have this unexpected breakthrough season, overachieved by a lot, and, and you know, that's to their credit. Um, but they also did it in a way where you look at the roster and, you, and you're not sure how sustainable it is because it's not like it was a lot of talent. So you credit them for how much they got out of what limited talent they had, but it, now you've even raised the bar that much more and the expectations that much more for what comes next. So you've got all this cap room, more than anybody in the league, you are in one of the greatest markets possible to attract free agents. Can you overcome? Was it enough in one year under Tibbs and Leon Rose to overcome the you know years and in fact decades of, of infamy and and you know free agents actively avoiding that franchise? Do do people feel better about them now enough to take the money? But the other problem is is a more fundamental one, which is okay. Let's say that this is a great destination now with the Knicks and free agents want to come, there's just not a lot at the top tier to attract. So if you're looking for, you know, Julius Randle's ideally a number two, not a number one. So if you're looking for a number one, well, I just don't know that any of those guys are available. Can you find another guy who's at, you know, Julius Randle level or a couple of like really solid kind of just a tier below all-star? And there are good players available, but this is not a great year for free agency. So their, their cap room they either have to decide to roll it over to next year and, and, and you know reserve some of that for when you might get a crack at, at some bigger stars or um, you know, go, you're going short-term, going on one-year deals with guys, um, or there are other creative ways to use it, right? You can make uneven trades and, and absorb guys into cap room. But again, who's available? Is Dame Lillard going to become available? As of now, still doesn't look like it. Bradley Beal, all indications are that he's staying put. And so... You know, I don't, I don't know who they get at this point. Um, you know, then there's, you asked, you know, who else is going to make a big splash? I mean, the Lakers already have in, in making that agreed upon deal for for Westbrook. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. I'm convinced that that that's a, a deal that moves them forward. Um, but it's certainly a flashy deal. Howard Beck joins the show, Sports Illustrated, and uh, an early front runner on NBA journalist Survivor. Uh, we were talking about another team that, that's got some cap space this year, $33.5 million worth, uh, are the Dallas Mavericks. And everybody on this show loves Luka. They're on the Luka 77 diet of beige food and cigarettes. What do you think the Mavericks do around Luka? Well, they've been one of the teams that for months have been – well, let's go back before months. Oh, you know, if you, go, if you roll back the calendar for a year, they were a team that was positioning themselves to try to chase Giannis. Before Giannis had signed the max extension, Dallas, Miami, Toronto, those, those were all teams that were hoping to, to put themselves in position to steal Giannis. That's obviously not going to happen. So then the fallback for all those teams um, has been you know, a variety of other guys. And you know, I don't think anybody really thought, even if he were healthy, that Kawhi Leonard was going to leave L.A. It still looks like you know, you know, injured and, and rehabbing from, from ACL surgery that Kawhi Leonard probably stays. And would you want to sign a guy that would you that you thought was probably missing the entire season anyway? So for the Mavericks, you know, Kyle Lowry would be a phenomenal addition. All indications in the last, you know, twenty four to forty eight hours are that Miami is positioning itself to be in position to, to grab Lowry. And nothing's certain until it happens. But if they get him, 
you know, again, now the Mavericks are in a position where, you know, where, where else do you go? You probably re-signed Tim Hardaway Jr. He's become very important for them. They need help up front. You know, are they a destination for somebody like a Rashawn Holmes? Um, you know, is, is there, you know, are there other, other guys that they could um, pry loose to bolster the front court next to Porzingis? But they do need another playmaker. Like, so much is in Luka's hands, and that's, that's generally a good thing. Luka does a lot of great things with the ball in his hands, scoring and playmaking. But you need to give him a little bit of relief. And so, if, if not Lowry, maybe they're a Spencer Dinwiddie, de- uh, you know, a, a destination. Maybe they find their way into the Lonzo Ball discussions. Um, you know, Mike Conley, if he were to leave Utah, but nobody believes that's going to happen. So I, I do think that that's probably top of the list, though, for them is another playmaker to relieve some of, of the burden on, on Luka. Howard Beck joins the show, Sports Illustrated. Ben Lyons filling in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show. Howard, you've been covering the game at such a high level for so many years. You're as dialed in as anybody. So you, you're probably familiar with the fact that it's a kind of a foregone conclusion in NBA circles that Zion Williamson's going to come save the New York Knicks. Do you think the Pelicans do anything <laughs> to try and keep Zion, what happens with Lonzo, and what do they do in New Orleans working on their third coach now under uh, what three years with Zion Williamson? <laughs> Spoken like a true uh, New Yorker. I'm just putting out fans. the sources and the things I hear from sources around the league because I'm like you, Howard. I'm just a guy who's been around the league a long time. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's never too early to tie up and coming superstars to the Knicks. It's just never too early. <laughs> Zion, of course, has totally encouraged that by getting all you know cutesy and winky with the media about talking about, oh, the garden, love playing at the garden. Um, it's way too soon for this, like way, way, way too soon, even by, by New York media standards for, for that stuff. I mean, nobody in the history of the NBA since, you know, this current structure was created with max contracts and a rookie deal, and then you to get your first max deal after that. No one's ever turned down the max deal that comes after your rookie contract if you're an up-and-coming superstar. And Zion Williamson will not be the first. He's not going to force his way out in the next couple of years. So uh, he's in. He's heading into year three. Then there will be a year four that's also on the option. And then year five is when you can start talking about extension and everything. He'll t- take the extension off of it just like everybody does. And we can talk about Zion Williamson having wandering eyes you know, sometime in the year 2025, 26. Um, but it's, it's too soon right now. Um, I do think the Pelicans have a clear urgency, as you always do in this league. When you get a guy who is a transcendent generational kind of player. You have the clock is ticking always. The clock is not ticking as loudly for a guy who's going into year three as it is for a guy going into year six or seven, but the clock is always ticking and you have an obligation and a burden or responsibility to build out a competitive roster, a playoff caliber team at minimum as quickly as possible and selling them on the idea that, that, you know what you're doing and that you've got a direction and that that direction is going to give them a chance to contend for titles. And if you don't do that quickly enough and competently enough, we see what the consequences are. And that franchise knows it better than anyone because, and it's not the current administration, it's not even the current ownership, but the New Orleans team, formerly the Hornets, now the Pelicans, lost Chris Paul once upon a time back in 2011. And then years later, lost Anthony Davis. Um, you know, LeBron James, of course, left, left Cleveland after his first seven years there because they couldn't break through. And that was a team that had made the finals and won 60 games. So the Pelicans do have a lot of work to do, and they got to do it quickly. And they're clearly moving swiftly. I mean, to their credit, yeah, we could say three coaches in three years, but 
to their credit, they realized the mistake that, that Stan Van Gundy was not going to work for them, uh, that he was not the right fit, and they moved on as quickly as possible. And they saw that Stephen Adams was the wrong investment from a year ago, and they moved on from him as quickly as possible. We'll see what's next. Howard, five years ago on July 1st, NBA fans were blessed with the signings of Timofey Mozgov and Luol Deng in Los Angeles for $150 million. We saw things like <laughs> Alan Crabb get four years, $70 million. Chandler Por- a Parsons, who had a billboard on Beverly and La Cienega, he got $90 million, signed his deal in a nightclub. What's going to be the signing? Who's going to be the guy this year that NBA fans wake up on August 2nd and 3rd and go, huh? How did that happen? <laughs> Well, I mean, the year you're pointing to, 2016, was, of course, the year of the uh, notorious salary cap spike, this once-in-a-lifetime probably occurrence that, um, you know, created way too much cap room and way too many uh, mediocre free agents getting overpaid. I mean, there's always somebody, but that summer was its own anomaly, its own weird occurrence just because of how much cap room was suddenly available to basically all 30 teams because of that cap spike. Uh, this is not that kind of summer. I mean, guys might get overpaid because there just aren't enough good players in this free agent market, but there also aren't a ton of teams with cap room to spend wildly. So um, will somebody overpay Dennis Schroeder? Yeah, maybe. Um, will somebody you know, maybe go a little overboard on, on maybe Spencer Dinwiddie? Because that's the thing. We've got this, this good point guard class, but like Chris Paul probably stays in Phoenix, and Mike Conley probably stays in Utah, and then Lowry ends up, let's say, with, Miami, well, then what is Dallas doing about a point guard? What is Chicago doing about a point guard? What are the Knicks doing about a point guard? Um, you know, that next tier is, is going to end up potentially getting inflated salaries, but not on the order of the, you know, uh, Alan Crabb, Timofey Mozgov, Waldane kind of, kind of deals from 2016. Good. So you mean that eventually the Knicks will stop paying Joe Kim Noah? You think that'll happen in my lifetime, or they'll continue to pay Joe Kim Noah because of the summer of 2016? I have not looked up what the yeah. stretch provision has <laughs> left on it for Joe Kim. But, yeah. Um, yeah, someday Joe Kim Noah will come off the books. Someday Josh Smith will possibly come off the Pistons books. Uh, there's a couple of those out there. Howard, appreciate you taking the time on a very busy August 1st for you, my friend. Thanks for, for spending some of it with us. No, absolutely, Ben. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. Howard Beck joins the show, Sports Illustrated. Can you imagine NBA reporter survivor? Like, can Lang Whitaker survive off the land? Would Cassidy Hubberth be able to build a a fort? I would love to see (laughs) NBA journalist survivor. I I know which ones I'm not trusting on the island. Ramona Shelburne with, like, a bow and arrow. It'd be amazing. (laughs) Who's doing all the fishing? Oh, Rick Buecher. <laughs> Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher's just working on his tan. Amino Hassan trying to hunt a squirrel. This would be a <laughs> phenomenal show. Phenomenal show. Uh, Carl that. Ravitch is going to join this phenomenal show. We'll talk a little baseball with Carl coming up in about five minutes. It's Ben Lyons filling in for Rich. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people. Or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly auto parts they're in the business of keeping your car on the road o'reilly auto parts offers friendly helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful has a smile on their face and gets you back on the road they've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock either in store or online so you never have to worry if you're in a jam the team at o'reilly auto parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car if it needs to be replaced they'll help you just 
find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eisen. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What was your baseball game like? My baseball game, actually my baseball game was pretty good, but I, I couldn't, I didn't play in high school. I played like recreational league in um, Babe Ruth. Okay. And I used to pitch. Pitch yeah. as well. Pitch and hit, yeah. So what was your pitching game like? Uh, the pitching game was pretty good. I mean, I didn't, you know, I, you I, I, had a, I was a heavy ball. I didn't know, I had no idea what, what I, how fast I was throwing. Huh. But people used to say, man, you got a heavy ball. So when you were watching you swing in Major League as Pedro Serrano, yeah. is that your swing? That's my swing. Oh, and I don't know if we ever talked about this, but okay. every ball I hit out, mm-hmm. I hit out, except it's not as far as they shot it out because they have to reverse the camera. Hold on a second, Dennis Hayes. <laughs> how many how many home runs did you hit? Well, I hit, major well I hit three in, in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. I think I hit three in the movie. I hit every one of them I hit out. Okay. And all the batting practice? you, you Oh, went, yeah. I used to hit. Oh, yeah. I used to hit routinely. So were you the best hitter of all the actors in I that would movie? I say so. I would say so. so. Charlie and I were the only guys that could really pay, play baseball. Uh, Wesley was really athletic. Okay. And could run, but uh, wasn't he, much of a hitter. He couldn't hit, but you, but could Charlie hit, or he was just... Charlie could hit, and Charlie could pitch. But you went yard more than anybody else in the cast of, oh, yeah. of Major League. Except for the you know the guys, the, the baseball guys that were out there. <laughs> Actual. So who was the worst? Oh, I can't. I won't say Yes, that. you can. You oh, absolutely man. can. That microphone works. <laughs> Corbin Burnson, could he? Uh, Corbin was okay. Uh, I think Tom um, Berenger was like maybe the, no the worst. No kidding. Yeah. I love you, Tom. He <laughs> <laughs> yeah. forced it out of me, man. Were you superstitious as well? Are you a, um, are you a superstitious guy? Uh, uh, not it's really, well. but I realized how superstitious baseball players are. That is no of that there is no doubt. I mean, I used to have a lot of guys come up to me and say, you know, hey, man, we used to play this movie on the bus going to the game. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, set firecrackers off on my on our bats to, you know, to wake them up. <laughs> Did anybody have rum? Did anyone incorporate they rum? They started using that. Um, a lot of guys said they started using it. Baseball players started yeah. using it. Do you have any artifacts from the film anywhere? Did I you finally start? got a Joe Boo doll. I don't have the original because I wanted to get rid of that because, uh, you know, that was voodoo I was practicing. And I said, you know what? Certain things you got to leave on the set. <laughs> you know, and somebody took that and I don't know where they are now because I haven't heard from them again. Right. So they, they took a voodoo doll, man. I said, okay. No kidding. No. Dennis, so I, have hey, a, I have a facsimile. You have a facsimile of, of Joe Boo.
Welcome back to the show. Ben Lyons in on a Monday for Rich. Be here all week. Looking forward to hanging out with the guys all week long here on the Rich Eisen Show. Lots going on, obviously, in the world of sports. And something I love about Rich's show is that you guys have been doing this for a while. You guys got a tremendous uh, archives here. Tremendous archives. You can really dig in the the crates, open Mm -hmm. up the vault, and find some gems. Yeah, Rich sitting down on the the couch with Dennis Haysbert, who everybody, of course, our age affectionately... (laughs) remembers and knows as Pedro Serrano, mm-hmm. tremendous power hitter for the Cleveland Indians. <laughs> a team uh, didn't have high hopes going into the season. They did, but not. They did not. Somehow we're able to go on a run. <laughs> Joined now by ESPN, uh, ESPN's own Carl Ravich. And, and Carl, I don't know if you're a big Pedro Serrano fan, but I'd be curious, <laughs> who's your favorite baseball player from movies or TV shows over the years? No, I'm, I'm a Serrano fan. Um I, I'm a, I've always been loyal to Kelly Leak. I, I think he was as good a baseball character in a movie as you're going to find. I kind of was into the things that, that he did. I liked the attitude. I liked the, I liked the bike. I liked the hair. I thought the freckles were cool. He kind of strutted, hit the ball further than most, just kind of showed up, said, I'm here to kick ass, and then I'm going to leave. So I, I go with probably Kelly Leak as a, as a baseball character in a baseball-related movie. Um, yeah, but Serrano, yeah, I mean, that whole movie is kind of religious. I was big into the dog that used to steal the baseballs when it went over the fence. I thought that was kind of a cool, cool character, <laughs> the Babe Ruth signed baseball. But um, that wasn't a that was obviously a four legged creature. Yeah, if you get a rare off day, are you the type to go see a big blockbuster, Carl? Like, are you a Fast Nine guy, or are you looking for the next Minari? No, Minari. I, yeah, I would say that I'm not. Uh, and I, I generally, I mean, I know that uh, my buddy and your buddy Adnan, I, I defer to my wife the great Christino on all this. She could be a movie reviewer. So I generally fall on the sword of whatever Chris wants to see as movies. Um, you know, I'd say Godfather sort of jaws, those types of big movies, but I'm not fast and furious, furious guy at all. Minari, Minari works for, for us, that type of, that type of film. And like most, I think who fall into that category, we're, we're obviously now sort of enamored with Ted Lasso. Uh, we now follow that Ted Lasso on Twitter. We like all of, all of his sayings. We like the attitude. We just we love we love the lasso genre. Like to uh, I'm gl- I'm glad that the Ravage household is downloading, rating, reviewing, subscribing to the Cinephile podcast with Adnan Verk. That's good. Keep it uh keep it well, a house I mean, of like, Cinephiles you know, over it's there. Sort of long time first time. Long time we're, we're first long time. time. We're long time friends of Adnan, so we'll we'll support anything that Adnan does. Well, Carl, as you know, my father, a longtime suffering Boston Red Sox fan, has now become entitled with his four World Series. Absolutely. Didn't have expectations going into this season, but I get an email, a text, a phone call every time Alex Verdugo does anything at all. Right. I knew, though, that when that ball was thrown in Yankee Stadium and hit him in the back, that that could be a turning point for both these teams. Where do you (laughs) see the Red Sox and the Yankees now as we head down the stretch? And that was that was sort of the the uh, that was the arrow with with fire coming out of it. It just metaphorically with the baseball, like all of a sudden they've knocked down the giant that is Alex Verdugo and the Red Sox, and they're they're back down to earth. Is that is that they've won five out of six there? now in the Bronx, and, and the Red Sox struggling here. Just one of one of those weird nights in the Bronx with the rain, and you go, huh? Yeah. Maybe the season's going to change for both these teams here moving forward, and it looks like it has. A couple of days after the deadline, as you know, and I know your dad knows. Um, the Red Sox had acquired Schwarber, and they lost two games. Uh, the Blue Jays, you know, picked up a really good pitcher, and the Yankees picked up two really good hitters, uh, both left-handed, and the Rays picked up Nelson Cruz, and they, after two two days, hadn't lost any games. So 
Yeah, it felt that way, and it continues to kind of feel like the Red Sox are teetering. I think that it's it's amazing. I think Schwarber has magnified, as opposed to the attention being on what he may do for them as just a bat, a left-handed bat, who can help Renfro out because he's not great against righties, and you could platoon. But I think just the fact they got Schwarber magnifies some of the deficiencies that we've seen recently with the starting pitching. Now, for a while, Nick Pavetta was good last night. Evaldi really struggled. I think there's all sorts of concerns and question marks about Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, it's like the Giants, and you can appreciate that. There's, some, there's just some skepticism in the fact that the Giants are leading the NL West because the names are not the Dodgers' names, and they're not the Padres' names, and their track records aren't great. Well, the Red Sox, you know, for the most part, Nick Pavetta's track record isn't great. Eduardo Rodriguez is coming off an injury plague, COVID-related, uh, heart issue 2020. So there's just some skepticism around him in the last few days. That's only been fueled by their, by their losses and their, and their lack of wins while the other teams are winning. Carl Ravitch joins the show, ESPN, Baseball Tonight. Ben Lyons in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show. Uh, you mentioned Schwarber, but a bunch of former Cubs, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, all on the go, all hitting home runs in their debuts with these new teams. Do you enjoy seeing the 2016 Cubs now kind of moving on and finding themselves in different situations? Or is an end of an era and you're like Sarah Spain and you're just crying every night watching these guys hit bombs uh, elsewhere? No, I'm all about uh, not necessarily anchoring to teams or franchises. Um, and faces changing. I'm delighted for those three dudes um, to go and hit home runs in their new cities. I, I, I'm not crying, but I'm bummed for my guy David Ross. I think he's in a he's in a rough spot, um, but I think he's also going to be able to deal with it. I think the pressure is now off to win. It's a weird year for Chicago because they stunk in the beginning. Then they then they were in first place. And they had traded you Darvish before the whole thing started. And you're like, well, wait a minute. I, I, they're, they're in a trade. They're in a sell mode. Like the fact that they're having success to me was, was smoke and mirrors. The fact that your dad didn't have much hope for the Red Sox this year. Uh, I would, I would disagree with that. I thought the Red Sox were an epic fail. I mean, the Red Sox were Norbit last year is just to, to use movie language. Uh, that was one of the rare movies I walked out on. They, they, they just quit. They didn't try. Um, they had more talent than most teams did. And last year, they just kind of gave up. This year, they're actually hitting the baseball and catching the baseball. And prior to the Rays series, pitching the baseball at a level I thought they would. Um, that's why when you ask who's the manager of the year in the American League, um, to me, it's it's Tony La Russa. I mean, there was you talk about skepticism and and teams that have dealt with huge injuries all year, and I think have achieved, if not overachieved. I thought the Red Sox were going to be as as this good, if not if not as good as the Yankees and Rays. They should have been last year, and they took the year off. Carl, I just want to go back to that movie theater experience where you're watching Norbit and you say, you know what, yeah. I've had enough. <laughs> yep. What yeah. was it in Norbit that you saw that you said, you know what, I got better things to do? Yeah. It was one of those where you're just kind of waiting, and I've heard this before with people, whether they're playing a round of golf and you recognize there's nothing about this particular round for this person that's going to improve. You could walk off now and it's going to feel the same. 
Norbit, I'd say 30 minutes in was I've reached the point of no return. There's nothing about this particular movie that is going to alter my opinion of it. I'm done. I'm ready to sell. I think I had probably bottomed out on the popcorn, and I was like, nope, I, I, I can't. It's not, it's not going to turn. And I have not heard from anybody who suggested, you know, you missed the last hour 20, you really blew it. So if you were going to tell me that, I'll go back and try again. But I haven't heard anybody come out and say, yeah, you, you, you missed a pivotal pivotal scene. And, and as a result, you, you cost yourself an experience in a movie theater you otherwise will never be able to get back. I don't know why this brings me so much joy, but just the idea of Carl Ravitch with an empty bucket <laughs> of popcorn being like, Norbit, I'm disgusted. I'm out of Not here. Not only that, I, dragged my, I, I, was with two, I was with my son Sam and his buddy Alex, and I said, we're out. <laughs> they probably looked at me like, wait a minute, we, we just start, where are we going? Well, you mean the executive decision over? for the whole family, not I'll meet you. Yeah. So we're an entire family. We don't stand for this. We're the Ravage right. household. We look for Minari. Manager we cannot decision. find Norbit. Manager comes out and ben, the manager comes out and takes the ball from the pitcher. <laughs> I'm taking the ball. The movie's over. Let's go, boys. Out of the game. Find another one. Wow. Carl Ravitch joins the show. Ben Lyons here filling in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show. Um, so let's continue to talk some Hollywood. Tell me why the Dodgers are not the best team in baseball. Well, I mean, win-loss-wise, they're not. I, I do, I, I'm do. i certain they're going to end up that way. Again, it goes back to the skepticism of um, Stephen Duggar and Brandon Crawford and Buster Posey. And Kevin Gossman, you know, and Johnny Cueto. And then let's throw out there Walker Bueller, uh, Max Scherzer, Julio Urias, Clayton Kershaw, Justin Turner, Mookie Betts, you know, Bellinger. Uh, you go around, you could go around the Dodgers team, and for the most part, every one of their names um, would be favored in a, in a let's, let's go through position by position. With the exception of Posey, um, generally going to probably favor the Dodgers. And Will Smith's really good. So uh, they will be. They're not now. The Giants have been great. I don't think the Giants are going to leave. I think those are your three playoff teams in the National League. But I think the Dodgers win in a series. I think they're better. It's crazy just to see the, the amount of talent they have out here in Los Angeles. It's crazy. It, it is. It, it it's crazy. It, I mean, they, they are they are every NBA team now that wins championships. They they have stockpiled gross amount of talent. You know, the, the let's all get together and just go to LA and play baseball. So we don't really need a shortstop, um, and we're pretty good with pitching. But let's add you know a multiple Cy Young guy and somebody whose athleticism and speed may end up being the difference in a series, like we saw with Mookie Betts. When they won it all, it was. Remember, people forget it was his legs that won that World Series, or at least won a critical game with his secondary leads. I think at first and home when he came in to score. That that's what Trey Turner can do now. And then you go down the four hundred five uh, a couple miles, uh, you know, and you get some traffic. It's a couple hours. But the Anaheim Angels have the most exciting player of my generation. I mean, this this guy Otani, what he's doing is just the stuff of legends. Yet you don't feel the presence here in the city of Los Angeles, or even now in this back half of the of the season, with all the attention being put on him at the All Star break. You know, Anaheim not being a, a real contender, a serious contender. What do you think that does to just sort of his long term plans in Anaheim? Do you see Otani 
Uh, maybe yeah. having a change of scenery in, in, in coming seasons. Yeah. I would think if that continues, it shortens his time in Anaheim. Um, I, look, I, I think if you, you, know, you, you look back on, on the history and the pursuit of Otani and the list that he wrote, I think, when he was in high school of the things he wanted to accomplish at certain ages, um, and they were lofty, including like having a, a daughter and a son and getting married and winning a World Series and being an MVP. All those things are on these lists that he may come to find that, that Los Angeles with this team isn't the, isn't the right place for me to accomplish those goals. Um, he se- certainly seems worldly. He was unanimously uh, enamored and accepted at the All-Star game for what he was doing, so he's he's making friends throughout the game. Um, and look, moving from country to country is a very difficult thing, but he seems to have been able to now thread the needle and other people have taken note. Like, uh, we would love to have 10 of those on our team if we could find them. He's incredible. He's fast. He's gifted as a pitcher and a hitter. He's just everything you'd want. So I think he strikes you if you're willing to up and leave a country and go to uh, to play Major League Baseball, you're willing to up and leave a franchise and go do it somewhere where you recognize those those pinstripe people from New York, is that, that seems like something I may want to investigate uh, now that I know about some of them and see what New York is about or that team up the road that has those pretty white and blue uniforms. That that might be interesting for me. Or I want to go live in the middle of the country and I know how good the Chicago Cubs are and I love their manager. I think all those things are are in play for them. I think we do forget they also play with – he also plays with Mike Trout and we just haven't been able to enjoy the two of them. But look, the Angels are nowhere near where those other where those other teams in that in that area of the country are. They're not the Padres. They're not the Giants. They're not the Dodgers. And I love Joe Madden, and I like his willingness to do things. But they 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 need such an overhaul of pitching talent on both the starting and bullpen staffs that it's it's not next year. It doesn't feel like it's two years. It it just constantly feels like. I don't know. You, you know. You know the big dig. Remember the big dig in Boston? I know your dad probably does, but they, they, they had the big dig going, which was the construction of an underground tunnel, which would allow folks from the west to drive to Logan Airport. It took like nine years. Like the Angels are the big dig of Major League Baseball. <laughs> it just takes forever. It sounds like uh, Otani needs to pull a Norbit and just get out of there yeah. and pull an executive decision and say, time to go. That's what it sounds like, Carl. He, pull he, a Norbit. I wasn't contractually obligated to sit there and watch the rest of it. He is contractually obligated to stay and watch the rest of this and, and perform. Well, you're contractually... I, I, Mur- I love Eddie Murphy and a lot of other things. Uh, that one just didn't float my boat. Do um, you have high hopes for Beverly Hills Cop 4 after coming to America sequel being such a downer? Yeah, I, I, no, I, again, I kind of shut it down. Um, I, I like the car in the, in the garage with the dust on it. I thought that was cool. But, I, again, two threes and fours, uh, they, there's not a lot of sequels that that are better than the original. Like, to me, Rocky 1 was the was a Rocky was the best book I ever read growing up. The book itself was fantastic, and the movie, obviously – was great, but after that, when we started to introduce different characters and Drago, et cetera, like I, I, I'm out. That I'm just not into that. See, but again, Car- that's just one man's opinion. No, but Carl, that, I, I agree with you. Two threes and fours usually not a good look when it comes to sequels. But that's why I've got hope for you. I think you could be a fast guy because Fast Seven, Eight, and Nine those movies rip, Carl. <laughs> 
what what part of them rip that I wouldn't have otherwise enjoyed in one? I mean, Carl, like, you're a guy who lives his life one quarter mile at a time. I, I get it. I think you'll find a, a, a lot of affinity between you and Dom. How? <laughs> How is Transformer? Where are we on the Transformer? See, uh, they're they're stuck in like three, four, five. We got to keep keep it going. We got to bring back yeah. everybody. Bring back Tyrese Dumel. Dumel's got great cheekbones. He never ages. Let's bring him back for six, seven, eight, and now we got a chance. When you and Adnan do things together, are you off? Is your voice often confused? Well, no, because I speak at the pace of a human being, and Adnan is a podcast on time and a half. So people can dif- make the di- differentiate between the two of us because I speak so at a normal. So Adnan is the seven inning game, and you're the nine inning game. Yeah, but yeah, but I, I'm a I'm a Yankees Red Sox game on ESPN on a Sunday night. I'm going to draw it out for about four and a half hours. Uh, <laughs> appreciate you taking some time, Carl. Really do, and uh, I'm sorry Norbert was such a traumatic experience for you. <laughs> it's Norbit. Oh, not excuse Norbert. me, sorry, Nor- okay. Norbit. Yes, I apologize. Norbit. Yeah. So you did, uh, Ben. Let Let's review Norbit next time we do this. <laughs> I think Norbit, you got to go on Amino Hassan's podcast, Cinephobe, where they take horribly rated movies and rewatch them. You're perfect for that. This whole baseball, you know, being the face of baseball thing doesn't work out for you on TV. You've always got that, Carl. You're the best. I love you. Take Thanks care. for taking some time. Appreciate you. Carl Ravitch joining the show. I would have gone down the rabbit hole just talking movies with Carl. I know we got to get some baseball in there. Yankees have won five of six. Carl said something I never knew. Rocky was a book? <laughs> also, know. also, there's a, there's a Beverly Hills Cop 4 trailer? I didn't know there was a trailer. I knew it was talked about for a while. Rocky was a book, though. Yeah. I, I didn't. I, that is I just, know, Carl Ravage, not a fan of Drago's addition into the Rocky franchise. Kind of odd. You Rocky 4, the Rocky's best holding Rocky. his hands up being like, Rocky 4, Rocky 4. My mind is blown because I just watched the last 20 minutes of Rocky last night. Um... I had no clue. Is this real? Do we know this for a fact? I think Rocky was a book. No? Looks like it's a book. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a Rocky book? Before the movie. Boy, the things you Google when you fill in for Rich here. Wow. Traditional Slovenian food and is Rocky (laughs) a book? Really really going down the rabbit hole today. (laughs) We still have a lot of time left. Yeah, because we got Mike Florio calling in. Mike Florio is going to call in. We'll talk some football with Mike. Plus, we got Rich Eisen calling in. Yeah, Rich is going to call in. Rich is going to call in on the Rich Eisen show. Talk a little archery. I was watching Beverly Hills Cop 2 yesterday. Uh, Bridget Nielsen. I like that one. I like that one, too. Yeah. It was really good. There's some horse racing. There's like a a crime. That's kind of the the alphabet crimes, and the the ending of the movie takes place at the horse track. You know what's funny? My my buddy Justin Mooney bought his house uh, kind of. I don't know. No one in the hero understand, so I'll, I won't give you the location. But we're sitting on this front porch, and he goes, look, I got a new neighbor. I look across the street in the front yard. It's Brigitte Nielsen. Wow. Wow. I mean, mind you, this was like eight, nine years ago. Oh, but okay. like, so this was, oh, No, it's even more about this. is like Flavor, flavor of Love. Yes, yes, it was yeah, right yeah. after Flavor of Love. That, that so maybe like 10 wow. years ago, because I think it was about 10 years. Yeah, Jeez. it was right after. And I was like, yo. There's so many wild things that will be said one day at TJ Jefferson's eulogy. (laughs) Just like random little nuggets. One time lived in a house down the street from Bridget Nielsen or just. It wasn't me. I don't know. Yeah. He had another one just now recently in the break. Oh, Dennis Haysbert. Yeah. TJ Jefferson. Friends knew him well. They cared for him. He had the same barber once as Dennis Haysbert. (laughs) All right. There you go. President Palmer. Fun, fun fact about TJ. Fact. I love it. That's president my Palmer. Pre- that's my president, President yeah. Palmer. I uh, oh mean, that show, the first two seasons on that show, just tremendous. Huh? Talk about rips. I'd like to see a, like an offshoot of just him, his own show as the president. Well, rest in peace. He doesn't, he's not with us. 
Yeah, but I'd still like to go see that show. <laughs> I mean, I guess. like a prequel? <laughs> yeah, or just like, they do it in the Marvel Universe all the time. There's four different Spider-Man. Can we get a Dennis Haysbert as the president show? That'd be well, good. I mean, uh, spoiler alert, we saw him get killed to yeah. start the season, uh, like season six or something. All so. right, I'll go back to my original right, idea of NBA reporters playing Survivor. <laughs> this That's is much better. something we need to run with. <laughs> uh, ben Lyons filling in for Rich. We got Mike Florio. NFL por- reporters uh, playing Survivor, I think they have a better chance. NBA players, you know, they need everything to go right. Load management <laughs> is a little soft, you know. Best hotels only. I don't know. Ian Rappaport's probably first out of NFL <laughs> Mike Florio coming up next. Ben Lyons in for Rich. The Rich Eisen Show rolls on. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Mike Del Tufo over there, when Justin Hartley of This Is Us was here on Friday, he planks weights on his back. Okay, there he is, putting plank after plank. That was a 45 pound, he waves on more weight. See, come on, let's get some more. Right? Del Tufo sees this and goes, I could I could do that, is what he said. And he said, and, no, he said, he said he would do, he said he would do 145. Now, we took that, when you say when he can do 145, how much weight do you think that means? Just off 145. Right. No. no. One plate that <laughs> weighs 45 pounds. Oh, 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 get out of here. Mike Del Tufo, how long do you say you could do this? A minute. Come on. All right, here we go. Mike, get off your knees. Right spot in your mind now. Go. Right spot in your mind, buddy. Come on. Look at him. All we see is the finish line, baby. All we see Coach him up, Herb. Coach him up. See. Victory is simple, baby. Right oh, now, uh-oh. don't worry uh-oh. about the okay. body, baby. Our mind's controlling our body. Our preach, mind Michael, preach. our mind. We got this, baby. We got this. We gonna show the world. That's what you're about to show. What do we got? Show the world, baby. Don't worry uh-oh. about it. Just hold it 24 seconds. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You got go. two blocks out. All right. You got two blocks gone. Halfway home. You got two blocks gone. You got Halfway two home. more go. All cheap. Just see that finish line. Look at the glory. Look at the chest touching the tape. Get your chest on that day. Look at you, baby. 20 You're seconds to go. You're coming in 20 seconds, baby. You can finish this, man. We can do this. Oh, my God. He's off the man. 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 He
Uh, let's go, Irv. Come on. And now, uh, oh, jeez. The airing of grievances. My God. Uh, no. Wait, I think you know they're done more. Well, I want it's so why I waved Rich off for another 10. You waved them up. I want another 10. You could have waved them. I do that every day, people, at the gym. I can't tell. I do it. I do it. <laughs> I love you, Mooch. That's why I love Mooch. <laughs> I can't tell. I can't tell. I did not think I was going to be able to do that. Mike, I got to be honest with you. I did not think you were going to do that. But the fact that you did it, and by the way, great like coaching up. Yeah. You're a Way to go, baby. Way to go, man. Way to work, baby. Mooch. You know, man. I'm proud. Yeah, I just had a clock on you. Make sure. Uh, Mike Del Tufo apparently uh, is, is now listed as questionable for Tuesday's Rich Eisen show. You good? Probable. Your problem? I love it. Welcome back to the show. Ben Lyons in for Rich. We're about 10 minutes out from Mike Florio. Going to be calling in. Excited to, uh, to, to, to get into this Aaron Rodgers stuff now that the dust has settled. Now all the hype on if Aaron is coming back oh, yeah. or not coming yeah. back or what's he going to do. Did a great job at his press conference. Came back. And now it's football time with him, which it's I think is just time. awesome. Uh, football time. It's winning time. Like the, the league is a better place with Aaron Rodgers in it. And playing at a super high level. We were talking last week uh, with Susie. Uh, what do you expect out of Aaron Rodgers this year? Do you expect any drop-off from his MVP season last year? Because I do not. No, I expect them to be the one team in the NFC that can really challenge Tampa Bay again. Yeah, that's kind of what I think, too. I look at their relationship, Aaron and Tom, a lot like, and maybe I'm, I'm wrong in this and you guys look at it differently, but I look, I look at it a lot like LeBron and Kevin Durant where they're kind of forever connected, but there's not a real animosity or hatred or rivalry there. It's not a bird magic type of connection. They're the clearly the best two in their sport and have been for the last 20 odd years or so. Um, and the two of them are always, you know, at the top of who's the best. Brady's won a lot more. The same way LeBron's won a lot more than, than Durant's got twice as many titles. So I kind of look at them where they're not, forever connected but there's there's some type of mutual understanding yeah that forever uh connectivity for quarterbacks was Peyton and Tom because they were in the same conference uh the way the NFL schedule works they always won their division so they always played each other each year that felt like more of a rivalry yeah so they played each other a lot and a lot in the playoffs Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers have never really Just faced off in the Just regular this year, season. In the playoffs, they we've gotten them a couple times in the regular season. Yeah, but what, like one year, Rodgers had a concussion, so it was like Matt Flynn or some one of those guys playing in that game. So we've never really seen it. Pa- Packers, Patriots in the opposite conferences, they would never really play each other. But then we saw it last year, yeah, and it was really fun, and we saw what it could be. It's like one of those things. It's too bad that. Tom's, you know, has one or two years left, and Aaron only has. Whoa, a whoa, whoa. challenge flag on the field! Hold on a second. Oh. You didn't see the white jeans and the cheap. What do you mean, TB? This is this is not the Lucas seventy-seven. This is TB twelve. I mean, Tom Brady has one or two more years playing. It was a matter that you produce a national sports talk radio show. One or two more years. I'm trying to be. I'm also trying <laughs> to be realistic. About? I want Brady to play forever. I never want him yeah. to retire. But I, I'm. You try- know, how I'm trying to shoot my age on the front nine when I play golf. Right. I'm trying to train right now so I can shoot my age for a full 18. Tom Brady's going to have as many touchdowns as he is for years old for the next like five years. Take that over under. You go 44 <laughs> touchdowns for Brady this year. Over Will Tom under. Brady have his age in touchdowns? 
Including the playoffs, I would probably go over. That's crazy. He had 50 last That's year. That's so crazy. And you're telling him he's got one more year left. You said this man had 50 touchdowns, and you're like, one more year. What or Did two? you see the or white two, jeans, said? bro? <laughs> <laughs> Did you see them? It's tough. I love that Subway commercial that's going on right now where Steph Curry slides in at the end and is like, Tom, do you even eat bread? And Brady's like, yo, it's a commercial. <laughs> like, it's, it's incredible. You know, I was, you know Aaron, Aaron had, I think, had a great offseason. I know a lot of people were talking about Brady's offseason, but I thought his offseason was awesome. When you look back on it now and the way the dust settled, he knew he was going back, tried to put the pressure on the franchise, went to Hawaii with Miles and Shailene. Kelly went to uh, play golf in the mountains, and now he's back. He's got a sweet haircut, rocking the last samurai. He's chilling. Like great <laughs> offseason. Everyone was clowning him. Everyone was saying yeah, that. What did you make of how he arrived to camp? Flip flops, shorts, the office homage T-shirt, amazing man bun, fantastic. Yeah, we should all walk into our our first day of work looking like that, <laughs> right? Try that, try that the next job that you get. Just so great. Just and, and, oh, and, yeah, I forgot and, about the Bret Hart sunglasses. No, yeah, right. you call them Bret Hart's. <laughs> I call them Danny Tartables. A new generation calls them Kardashians. I, I, I mean, that's it's very V. Stiviano with the visor. Wow. It was kind of like a head of the whole like Corona thing with her look. We're in the face shield. <laughs> True that. Right? With the visor, yeah. I mean, those are some big shades. Does he have a I mean, special case for those? You and you and Susie were really caught up on like his attire going into yeah, camp. Like, amazing. what should he have had on? Should he have worn a suit? Like, what what should he have worn to just walk into a building just to take everything off and throw on uh, some pants and, and it's tech. exactly what he should have worn he yeah. knew that that photo the image of him walking that was too, calculated that was i mean everything thing. about he and also, laid that the out way, the night before like you would the first day of i don't school. know man that did you see the full video it was literally 15 seconds of him walking from behind the building into a door right and no, you somebody's that, really gonna that, that's some of the most coveted footage like that are you kidding me people camped out but for also that. People he knew that, to, uh, was he knew that, that this video and yeah. picture was gonna go viral so he definitely planned out that that wasn't just the last thing he like I'm wearing like basically what I wore yesterday like he didn't that wasn't just on the top of the laundry Bro, look heap. at it do you does it look like he put a lot of thought in that he's wearing yes, a t-shirt yes, board shorts yes, and flip yes, like because he, put he a lot is of part of this generation oh, no, of man. athletes that are calculated with their authenticity right. okay so what right tell LeBron's me about the office like this. what 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 does the wearing the office t-shirt he's do? friends with Brian Baumgartner he's okay. giving his buddy a shout out okay yeah exactly but how, how but that's calculated. First day at the office. It's his first day at work, right? He had first to day order at the that office. shirt. I don't know, man. I, I just think that sometimes we look at Twitter and we we try to make things bigger than what they really are. Yes, but think are. about Aaron Rodgers. Like he has taught us anything in the last fifteen years. Everything he does and says is for a reason and with intent. He's very deliberate. I don't think it's yeah, anything that's kind of spontaneous or fly by the seat of his pants. Unless when a play breaks the, down. The Bret Hart glasses, but, then sure. I mean, did he give them to a kid? Did he slip them off and, and put them on a kid's face on the no, other side the, of the face? No, but he was definitely or? thinking, like, should I go <laughs> yeah. Parks and Rec? Now I'm going to go office here. I, I definitely think yeah. that there was some, some calculation with it, and I respect it. I'm not clowning him for it. I thought he was a killer look. First of all, those shades are really tough to pull off. you got to have a big face. You gotta have the perfect. You gotta have the right head for it. Gotta have the right head for it. The haircut, everything, and the flip flops. I thought he did. I thought he did an excellent job on his walk in. Oh, he's back. I mean, he's, he's back, back and he's ready to tear up the back. Like, let's go. Yeah, and probably gonna win MVP again. Ooh, I'll take put that, that out there. I'll take that bet. Put that out there. All right, Ben Lyons in for Rich. This is the Rich Eisen show, making bets that I will not be held accountable for weeks <laughs> from now. More show. Now. 
Well, hold on. I want to. I want to get some Aaron Rodgers. Uh, what are the MVP odds? Yeah. Hold on a second. I'll get them for you. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers to win MVP. Okay, there's Coach of the Year. We don't care about that. Uh, let's see. Comeback Player of the Year. I think we all think that's going to be Dak, right? Yeah. Anybody else uh, have a catastrophic injury and is coming back? All right. Most about most about Saquon Barkley. I think would be the other one. There you go. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is your favorite at four to one, and then a big jump up. Josh Allen nine to one. 10 to 1, Matthew Stafford, 14 to 1, Aaron Rodgers. I'll take those odds. I like that. 14 to 1 for the defending MVP to come back and do it again. He's got all his weapons. He's got his man bun. He's got his flip flops, his office t shirt. He's locked in. He's got his contract. He's got his fiance. He's chilling. Most likely to win MVP out of this group Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady, Dak Prescott. Well, I, I learned the hard way last February. We're all on that same. I will never bet against Tom Brady again. <laughs> I really won't. I'll never do it again. I was so the dude in 92 being like, I think the Blazers are going to do it. No. <laughs> Just to be a contrarian? No, you got to think about that in life. Do you want to be the guy who remembers, you know, I really thought Mikel Bridges would have performed better in game six. Nope. <laughs> Not betting against Tom Brady again. No. Yeah, but this is the one MVP, it. right, Chris? This is MVP. This is MVP. <laughs> you're you're a blackjack degenerate. You know how it is in Vegas. Like when you're playing cards and you yeah. split on twos or you split on something Don't and you get an guy. eight and you get yeah. a double and then you lose, you go, okay, all right, I let it all hang out and that's fine. But yeah. oh, I lost on 14 against a five and I hit. and you know, Those are the make or break ones when you get when you split and then you get another and you split again. So if you have three splits on the table, those are the make or break. You're, my night is going one of two directions. If I win all of these, we're, we're going to that big steak dinner. I'm buying the expensive cigar or I'm going back to my hotel room to watch movies. <laughs> you know, I knew that uh, that uh, Brockman was my spirit animals. And one of the first commercial breaks that I was here, he just started playing heads up blackjack. We were just sitting there playing heads up blackjack, no bets, just the action. That's all we need. Well, I before, go, wow. Before this Corona, is my golden compass. This is my Corona last animal. year. That was Brockman's. We would play that every single day for fake money. And right now he owes me, I think, $370,000. Wow, get that on the YouTube. So, get their views up. Yeah. yeah. Having Brockman yeah. playing heads up blackjack on the Rich Eisen's YouTube Brockman. channel. It's totally fine. Where's the cards? <laughs> There's some, some branded content right there. More show coming up next right here on Peacock.